0: Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so excited that you join us today. And wherever you're listening from or whenever you're listening to this, we hope that you are encouraged. And if you ever want to join us in person, you can always join us at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. But we love you and we hope that you're encouraged today. doing great today. Stephanie and I and the family, we're not here today. Uh, I'm actually preaching right now at my friend's church in South Carolina, but we did not want to leave you empty-handed today. Today, you have an amazing treat uh we're we're going away on vacation but reeves wilder is here ready to bring a word to you but before he gets up i just want to take a second and let you guys know what reeves and jen have meant to us over the years uh, we actually started our churches together and we've been on this journey together literally from day one and uh they have become Reeves and jen have become some of our very best friends in the world i, I cannot imagine doing this without them in our lives uh they have like we've called them on days that we've wanted to give up that we've wanted to quit and that we just want to complain and get stuff off our chest all this stuff they've listened to us every single time And you know what they always do they always remind us of what god's called us to do they always call us up to our potential Uh, they always love us they encourage us and they are there they've been there for us every step of the way it is no doubt that Oasis Church wouldn't be what it is today without Reeves and Jen uh, in our corner. And so we honor you today, Reeves. Thank you for being such a great friend. Thank you for being an amazing pastor. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for answering the phone even when you probably didn't want to. Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. I love you, I honor you, I value you, man. I hope today you crush it. So here's what we're going to do. In a second, I'm going to ask you to clap, church. Come on, I need you to clap, even though this is from a screen. And I want you to welcome Reeves Wilder to the stage. Come on, y'all give it up for Reeves. It was just a great
1: kindred spirit. Then I found out he loves to smoke barbecue, and then it was all over. We became best friends after that. And and uh, I cry on his shoulder, and uh, he cries on mine. And it's just been such a a great great relationship. And I'm just so thankful for Stephanie and um, for Clint. And as he just said, there's times when he's called me, there's been many times that I've called him. Church planting is a whole new ball game. And uh, it is, it's it's good to have people that are with you on the journey. Come on, how many friends in your own life um, that you've had with you that you know, like, Hey, this person will stand by me no matter what happens in my on my journey. No matter if I lose my mind or, no matter if I'm successful, they're with me all the time. And that's that's Stephanie Clint. We actually vacation together. How I many you know that you know that's that's great friends when you when you vacation together, you know. And so they're super friends to us. And I'm just so thankful for them. And I'll, you know, watching Oasis grow from what what it was to what it is now, what God's going to do, I'm just so excited. And so. Um, so again, uh, I'm pumped to be here. Thank you for having me here. And, uh, I'm excited of what God's going to do a little bit about me. Um, I, I'm actually from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, yeah, we got one in the house. All right. <laughs> I, this is typically where I say roll tide, but usually everybody turns off from right here. So I said it, I know, but, uh, but anyways, I am, um, I, I, I I've been in church, uh, on staff for 20 years, this is 20 years for me. Um, And uh, so I've pastored in Birmingham, Alabama, felt the call to move to Knoxville, never even been to Knoxville in my entire life, and just felt the call of the Lord to to move us there. And um, we picked up our family in 2019, and uh, we moved amen we moved up there to plant a life-giving church right uh on the west side of knoxville if you've ever been in the town of farragut right there and uh it's uh so we moved there and i I brought a picture with me do we have that we can show this is my family right here uh of course this is me if you didn't if you didn't know that's me on on the left there you're right uh, but this is my wife Jen. She uh, sends her love. Her and Stephanie are really close. They've already been texting this morning. Jen preached for our church, Hope Valley Church, this morning. So uh, we've been we've been together this year, fifteen years uh, married. And so, yeah. So this is my oldest son. Uh, he's a little sports phenom. He plays football and baseball. Just loves life and very generous uh, and passionate about life. And he's eleven years old. And uh, this is uh, this is my uh, my middle child, anybody middle child raise at me, right? Nobody cares. So anyways, um, no, I'm kidding. He's actually traveling with me this week. I love traveling with my kids. He's the most passionate little child. He just loves people. He's very gracious. If you get a chance to meet him, say hi to him. He loves it. Um, uh, he, he just loves people. And this is my daughter. She can do anything she wants in my life, whatever. is I am wrapped around her finger. I'll go ahead and say it. Lucy is her name and uh, this is our family. And, uh, uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about us with you and I got to give a little team shout out. I promise I'm going to preach today. Um, but I just, the team here is amazing. You guys through worship, through setup, you guys got gold here and Kevin, man, Kevin has blessed me the whole time here. We tried to make it to a soccer game last night, but I was in stuck in traffic for three hours. It was, it was insane. So we couldn't make that happen. But Kevin, you have You have outdone yourself. I've loved getting to know you over the past couple of months, and even beyond that, I've met you, but but thank you for what you do here at Oasis. All right. Can you give it up for the team? All right. Here we go. Y'all ready? Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. All right. Hey, listen, we're going to be in Mark chapter 2. This morning um, and and specifically in the very first part of Mark chapter two in this book um, of Mark, um, I think it's important to note that Mark presents a rapid succession of vivid pictures of Jesus in action. That's how Mark wrote the book. All right. A lot of other books are written specifically. All the gospels kind of tell the same story, but they're written differently. OK, so Mark is like this um, extra uh, uh, abstract uh, wants to show you the story alive. It's the Instagram reel. It's, 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 it's on, it's on fire. It's amazing. This is how Mark writes. And he loves revealing his true identity by what he does, not necessarily by what he says. You know, it's, it's Jesus on the move. That's how Mark is written. And so I love this story um, because uh, the front side of it, Jesus uh, forgives and heals a paralyzed man. It's not something new. It's something that's happened before, but how he does it in this story is mind-blowing. So my hope is I paint a picture for you to see it and that you can apply it to your life today and for the rest of eternity, right? Uh, or rest of time here, eternity on earth, <laughs> the rest of our time here. And so Mark chapter two, let me go ahead and read it. It's a little bit of scripture, so just hang with me. You guys good with reading? Oh, yeah. Actually, I'll read. You just listen. It'll be up on the screen. Um, But this is it right here. Here we go. Verse 1. A few few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So this was a place that he knew very well, right? They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to these people. Verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Can we pause just for a moment? How awkward would that be? That would be like me preaching right now and somebody all of a sudden start poking their head through this ceiling right here. Every one of you would be like, what? You know, The homeowner was probably very frustrated. Like, hey, that's that's a mud roof, bro. You're going to have to fix that. You know what I mean? So I can't even imagine what that feels like. So let's move on. Verse five, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, I think it's important to know that he saw it first before he did anything. But when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Verse six, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking themselves, why does this fellow talking about Jesus talk like that? Why is he talking like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Like they're just completely against what Jesus is doing in this house. Right. And so immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. I I, I laugh sometimes at this because sometimes I'm like, man, I know what you're thinking. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like we had this intuition, sometimes we're wrong, but you know, we had that intuition. And so he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Like, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your son, uh, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. Verse 10, we're almost done with it. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, the very thing that he was carried on, and go home. And the last verse, right here in verse 12, he got up, he took his mat, and I love this part of it. It says, he walked out in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God by saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Okay, so this is a story. I think sometimes we get caught up in just listening and sometimes words um, from a pastor doesn't really resonate. So I brought a little small uh, video. Do we have that video ready? Are we good to show it? Uh, will you just take a couple minutes, watch this video. This it's, it's amazing. All right, let's go. I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since
0: childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. Uh That's a rope! Put it back, man! blez et list Rabbi, you know you can't... Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful.
1: Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven
0: or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you And so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins (laughs) you <laughs>
1: exciting is that video right there? I mean, it makes you want to take on hell with a water pistol, does it not? I mean, there's so much conflict in this beautiful story that it's mind-blowing. And my hope was not just to show a video so I didn't have to speak more, that I could bring it to life for you during this season of your life. Because I think there's some uh, important things that we can learn from here. If I had a title for today, it would be called Authorized Break-In. So if you're taking notes, that's what it would be called. Um, There's a couple of interesting points throughout this story that I feel like that we can apply to our lives. And I want to point them out to you. I think there's a lot of things that we can gather from it, obviously. And I, what I love about the Bible, that it's living, breathing, and active within us. So sometimes when you read a story, it applies to you in that moment. And then later on, it applies to you in a different way. That's, that's the beauty of the stories in the Bible. But I, I want to pull out a couple of things. Number one, I think friends were extremely important during this season of this man's life. And for some of you, I would say this, um, it's an absolute crutch for you, friends. Um, You have acquaintances, you have people that you connect with at work, say hi, walking down the hallway. You have people around you, but no one really close to you, right? And so oftentimes, I feel like we walk through life at a distance with friends. you got to have people that are close to you. And can I just um, release some pressure for you today, Um, uh, for some of you? All friends don't have to be best friends. There are seasons that friends are in your life. There are times when friends are great. There are some friends you just need to laugh with and that's it. There's some friends that you can go vacation on and you can cry on their shoulder like me and Clint do often. Uh, But there are levels. There's friends for seasons, friends that will fight battles with you and friends that are the absolute best in your lives. And And that's only just a few that will grow through the rest of your life with. Just a few of them. And these friends are friends that you don't have to be anything else but yourself with. Come on, do any of you have these types of friends? I'm talking about friends that you can laugh, you can literally cry, you can literally say things that other people would be offended, but they have your back. You need friends like that in your life. And I I love this because... um, The Bible doesn't really uh, make it specific that these are friends in his life, but or if it's family, but it didn't didn't say either or. But um, either way, they were empowered by this man's issue. Right. And so um, in Mark, chapter two, verse three, if we go back to that, it says some men came bringing him a paralyzed man, which was four it was four of them. So four people were inspired by the story. This paralyzed man, his, his, his life, his story, his, his sickness, his need, the need he had inspired his friends in action. Come on, some of us need that in our lives. You know, I was, I was thinking, um, I used this illustration before, but, um, you know, uh, it's easy when, let, let me, can I use you just for one, mo- one moment? Come on. Come on, give it up for my friend right here. There's, 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 great job. You got a, got a half of a clap. All right. So, um, a lot of times, here's what we do. We fight the battle alone. The battle, if if we're metaphorically talking, we're we're fighting, and you're going to play the enemy. Not that you look like that. I'm just saying, like you're going to. Will you just play the part for me? So begin to kind of push me on the back. All right, not too hard. I don't want (laughs) to fall down. All right. So this is what we do. Now, push me a little harder than that. I mean, I want to feel you back there. Okay. We're fighting the battle, but yet here's what we're doing is we're like, God, we're with you. And the enemy is, is when we don't have friends, this is what it looks like. But then when we have close friendships in our life, then now you're not the enemy anymore. You're, you're my friend. And so now we fight back to back, right? And so whatever attacks me from the backside, he's with me. Does that make sense? We got to have these types of friends in our life. Thank you. Give it up for, give it up for my friend here. So, so, um, you know, in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, I love this because it says two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. They can help each other succeed. Too many of us are fighting alone. And if one person fails, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. There's far too many times in my life where I have fallen alone. Come on, you can probably think many times in your own life where you fell alone. you got up on your own and you had this mentality of I can do this on my own and really in all actuality we need people in our lives we need friends we need people that will take us and help us get to the next spot just like these four men did for that man so get you some friends that will reach out when you fall and better yet a a friend to help somebody make it through you know a broken marriage maybe it's a bad report maybe it's cancer maybe it's an issue with a child or Whatever the case may may be, be the one that will go the distance. Fight for people. Fight for people. Don't fight alone. All right, so so the second thing that I see in this story is persistence. I love this because this is the kind of journey that I'm in. Planning a church, you need persistence. Things don't work or look like the same thing that you thought it would be, or you might not be in the place that you want to be, and it just might look different, but it takes persistence. Right. And some of us give up way too easy. We need some persistence that drives us in our life. And sometimes we just need to grind it out. Sometimes we give up too easy. John Mark said in verse five, he said, when Jesus saw their faith. And I think this is beautiful because he says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus just Saw their faith. He didn't come down and say, "Lord, um, uh, you know, I, 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 he didn't, he didn't have to say anything." The Bible says he didn't say anything. You know, he so Jesus saw their faith, and he says to the man, "Your sins are forgiven." And, and what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of the things that are not seen. Right, and so it's it's the thing like. I got faith in this, Lord. I got faith in my new job. I got, I, got, I got faith. I don't even even though I don't see it. I don't see the next step. I don't I don't understand it. Life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. So that's where faith comes in. Right. If we had clarity, which we all pray for and we all want in our life, we wouldn't even need to use our faith. Does that make sense? And so so the, the beauty of it is, is that this man showed up to a house that he couldn't get into. How many of us would have been persistent to go to the roof of the house to cut it open just to be healed? Or would you have just said, I'm I'm good. We'll come back another time. Jesus is around often. We'll we'll come back. Life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. So let me prove it to you. I love, I love to hunt. Deer hunt specifically. I turkey hunt and deer hunt, and I'm getting my sons involved, which I feel very manly doing. They got their own guns, and it's amazing. And and so we own some property that we hunt on, and um, I, I travel to hunt sometimes. And I just I just love to hunt. I spend a lot of my time. It's it's my downtime. You guys have downtime that you guys do. This is my downtime. I've wrote a lot of sermons in tree stands and. And um, I'm very proficient when I hunt, you know, I, I love hunting morning times, my favorite. And uh, so I, I get into my stand typically and when it's dark outside and, you know, I'll walk in. And, and I remember this specific hunt one time, I was on the hunt for this, this big deer. He's a buck, we call him bucks, big old antlers. And we eat, um, we eat the meat, our family, we, we consume, we don't just shoot to kill. And we're at we're ethical about it and I teach my my kids that and so and so anyways I I remember uh, I'm hunting hardwoods at this time and if you know anything about hunting hunting hardwoods is probably the hardest but they move more inside there and so I remember taking my my binoculars and man I just deep off into them you know I'm, I'm looking 75 150 yards out because I see something moving you know and I'm just I'm just out there with my binoculars and um, I see like some does playing around, and it's, it's ruts, so I'm waiting for the buck to come out. And I am literally, to my eyes, feel like they're bleeding looking in my binoculars. You know what I mean? I'm just like looking out there, looking out there. And what I did is I got my focus on something that didn't matter in the moment that I thought that did. And when I pulled my, my binoculars down, and usually I'm very careful during this, this time of, of the season because it's a rut, because they'll be all over and you won't even see them. Deer are like stealth when they move to the woods. And so if you hunt, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, hopefully I'm telling the story well for you. And so so I pull my binoculars down. And just this movement right here, I spooked the one that I was going for. Y'all, he was 20 yards away. I could have jumped on top of him and wrangled him to the ground. But as soon as I moved my binoculars like this right here, it spooked him and he took off. And before I could get my gun up, he was gone. And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me during this season. <clears throat> he said, "Read, you always have your eyes on the future, which is not bad. I don't think it's bad that you need to save money and make sure you're good for your kids, leave legacy, build, uh, try to build wealth. You know, you want to leave something for your family. You want to pay stuff. off. I think it's great to look in the future. We need to look in the future. But if you're caught in the future the entire time, you won't even see what's going on present in your life. And it was eye-opening for me. I began to cry in that tree stand because I was feeling like, Lord, you're showing me something right now. And I was too much into the future. And God's like, but I'm doing something right now. You know, the Bible talks about like, you don't even know what the future holds for you. Your your days are like a blade of grass. And so faith, again, is something you can see in response to hope you can't, right? (laughs) Doesn't that sound crazy? (laughs) Lord, I need faith. I need to work through this. And the most obvious thing to do for Jesus is just heal the man, which he does, which is a beautiful story. He just heals the man, which that's exactly what he did, but it wasn't the first response. His first response was to tell him, Because of your persistence to get to me, your sins are forgiven. There's a difference. A lot of times we walk up to Jesus or we go to church or we look in a certain area and say, God, I need to be healed. I don't want to be in this anymore. I don't want to do this. But don't realize the persistence that it takes you to get here. You know what I mean? God, I don't want to deal. None of us want to deal with the hardships. Does that make sense? And so it's because of the persistence that I see you, your sins are forgiven. So let me ask you this question. What do you do when God bypasses what you want to give you what you need? I'm learning this lesson in my life right now, even 20 years of ministry. The man wanted to be healed. His friends wanted um, him to be healed. What if they got to the house just to say, you know, this is crazy, y'all, there's too many people here. Jesus is in town, he's often here. Let's turn around. We can't even get into the door, we can't even see Jesus. Let's just move on. What if that was the process? What if, what, what, how many miracles have been wasted just because we simply won't be persistent in our life? I challenge myself consistently because I've, I've walked through some, some issues in my own life where I feel like I, I need God to, to make something happen now. You know what I mean? But, it, but, it, but, but he's, he's saying, but I need you to be persistent. And so I keep walking it out. And you know what I mean? And so, so it's like in my mind, I'm like, Lord, do you even hear me? But Jesus said, before I do something for you, I want to do something in you. We always want the thing. I get it. We live in a microwave world, do we not? We can talk to people all across the planet in just a minute. You know, Chick-fil-A, get your order out in 2.1 seconds. You know, McDonald's, a little longer. <clears throat> but we can get anything, anytime we want. I get my grocery. I haven't been to the grocery store in can tell you I get them delivered to my house it's ridiculous I live that life I'm just in a busy season of my life and it works don't judge me right but we we live in this fast-paced world where we want things and what it does is it builds it in our mind especially when we watch other people's highlight reels on Instagram and Facebook some of you don't do that it's fine but but for those that you do it's easy to see what other people have can you just take a moment and back up and say to yourself that's not even real life it's their highlight reel. <laughs> nope, they're gonna show you the best. You know what I mean? So, so it's easy for us to feel like, God, I, I, don't, I don't, do you even notice me? Do you even see me? Do you even, do you, do you, I, I don't even feel you. And he's like, listen, I, I wanna do something, before I do it for you, I wanna do something in you because something needs to change in you. And, and if not, you'll keep doing the same thing over and over and over, right? So, so you need friends, you need to have persistence, and you need peace in the process. This is huge. You gotta have peace. Sometimes the process looks daunting, it looks difficult, it looks tough. Sometimes we don't wanna do the process part of our miracle. You know, when, um, when Jesus heals the man that was uh, at the pool of Bethesda, um, he had been laying, the Bible says he'd been laying there for 38 years. He goes to these five little porches, and theologically, they're they're all sick people, and he's laying there 38 years, and he's looking at the pool where everybody's getting healed. But the angel it says, "The angel comes and he stirs the water, and, and, and a person gets healed, and uh, and it happens." But you got to get in the pool, and he's like, "I, you know," he told Jesus, "I I can't get in the pool." He gives excuses. I can't get down there. Nobody will take me. Nobody will take me. But it, it, the point of my story is is that the man was looking at the right place. He was looking at the, where the miracle would come from. Like we would always, we would think, "Hey, if I call my pastor here, or if I come to church and I sing a certain way, and I, and I pray a certain way, the miracle is going to come from this direction." But what I love about that story is that Jesus comes from behind him. The Bible says, he wouldn't even look in that direction." And he says, "Do you want to be healed?" Would you think the man would have said, "Absolutely"? Thirty-eight years, but he gives him two excuses. Oh, I, Granted, he didn't know who Jesus was, but he says, Nobody will take me. Nobody will let me down there. I I can't move. And he asked him again, But do you want to be made well? He says, Yeah. He says, Well, take up your mat and walk. The guy gets up and walks off. It's the beauty of the story. I, I get that the process looks daunting. I've walked through it myself, some hard, hard times. You know, when you go back to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers were there. They were crazy. It's like, you can't do that. Why does this fellow, why does Jesus talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who forgives sins but God alone? right? And this is what's crazy. In, in verse 8, it's probably not on your screen, but in verse 8, it says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking this? Why are you, why are you, I've already healed people, like, why are you thinking this way? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or say get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And he goes on to say um, to the man, I tell you, take up your mat. And he got up and he walked in front of his people. So his friends, hear me out, got his sins forgiven, but his haters got him healed. His sins weren't the, the uh, Jesus, phys- hear me out, Jesus physically healed him. But because of his friends' persistence to get him to the place, Jesus says, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say because of your faith, now you're healed. That's what we all want. He says, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. The man didn't even know who Jesus was. He just knew that he could heal. Are you following the story? Is this making sense to you? And so, and so um, his haters, because at this point, Jesus is back and forth with the Pharisees and the man's laying between them. Could you imagine that, that scenario? Like you're like, hey, I'm just here to be healed. And now they're arguing back and forth. You know what I mean? And he's like hey look what's easier he's telling the guy and the guys you know like hey just heal me i'll get up i promise <laughs> you know and so so his haters got him healed so so the back and forth were watch this jesus was like watch this you're healed get up and walk take your mat. take the thing that you came in here carrying and i think it's a metaphor for us how many of you have come into this house of worship carrying some stuff in your life that you're ready to get rid of it's time So before he was actually healed, there was opposition. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever given up on you? In your walk? In your life? Walked away from you? You know, these religious men had no sympathy for this man at all. Had no sympathy. There's times in my life that I thank God for the opposition. I didn't want it. I didn't want the opposition. But what it did for me is teach me to be great in my season. I've walked through a mental breakdown just recently, and I'm being very vulnerable with you. I'm a very compartmentalized guy. I do well, you know, I live life well, but I hit a season that I've never hit before. And it was hard for me. And um, I, didn't know how to, I didn't know how to work through it. I didn't. And so I wanted to just say, God, get me out of this situation the whole time. I'm trying to work through it with my family, work through it with, where we're at, and I'm just, I'm just emotionally crying all the time. I'm numb to life. Like, anybody ever been there? Like, you just like, I don't know. And, and as a man, you just want to say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But I'm thankful for the opposition, Kevin, because if I did not walk that, I wouldn't know how to speak to it. And that's all miracles are in your life. That's all issues are. When you walk through something now, you have a testimony that you get to share. That's why it's so important on the same line, the the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, the word of your testimony will change people's life. That's all in one sentence. The word, the, the blood of the Lamb and your testimony. God in your life and what he's done for you. That's all it is. That's what will change people's life. It doesn't have to be some man up on a stage. You can share about your story, your mental breakdown, your problem, your thing. And that's what will change people's lives. So thank God for your interruptions, your pain, your disappointment. So what this whole story says to me is that opposition proves the opportunity. It proves the opportunity. And God uses opposition to bring healing. So again, what what has God brought to you? What has he brought into your life that you're trying to get away from? Right? Jesus said to him, the very thing you were carried in here on, you are now walking out with and he walked out the same door he was denied walking in. Come on, God's for you. He's for you in your season. He's for you in your healing. He's for you in your next move. He's for you in your job. He's for you in your life. And in my personal experience, it's not always obvious that become wiser, uh, becoming wiser is usu- uh, is, is, uh, usually feels like the right thing. Because to me, becoming wiser, um, feels like a dumb decision (laughs) right you've done something you've never done before you've traveled a road you've never traveled before and it doesn't feel right but God moves you through it and builds you in it and so when you're becoming wiser with your life it doesn't feel good sometimes not every time and the key is that you have to gain wisdom off of the experience today for tomorrow does that make sense to you? And so, um, which brings me to my next point, and I have 34 more, and then we'll be done. Um, <clears throat> who likes to gamble? Raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> <laughs> there's, uh, there's this amazing story. Uh, I, got, I got one more video I want to show to you, but there's um, if you've watched the Kentucky Derby this year, it blew my mind. Okay, the Kentucky Derby is, if you don't know what that is, that's horse racing and a lot of people gamble a lot of money on horse racing. And uh, there, were, um, there was a clear winner that was probably gonna win the race and his, his name was Epicenter. And Epicenter was bred to run, all these horses are bred to run, they're millions of dollars um, to, to even get these horses. And, and so um, what I love about this story is um, that Epicenter was uh, way out in front Clear winner. He's gonna win. He was favored to win. It was gonna be amazing for all the people that put the money on it and all of that stuff for them. And but that wasn't the story. There was this other horse um, called First Strike, I believe. Was it First Strike? Rich Strike. It was Rich Strike. And so Rich Strike, um <clears throat> heck, let me just show you the video and then, then we'll talk about it. Let's 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 watch this video.
0: In one minute, ten and four-fifth seconds, and now Epicenter comes splitting horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling with Fessier. are stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozos in behind them. Cybernet speeds up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run and they're into the stretch. It is Fessier. Crown Pride, then Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead. As they arrive into the final furlong, Sandin is coming after him. Epicenter and sanded. these two strive for stride. Simplification down the outside is next. They're coming down to the wire. Epicenter's handed. Rich Strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness! The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby.
1: I mean, my gosh, did everybody feel that inside? Like this guy came from the back. Let me tell you about Rich Strike real quick. Rich Strike was not supposed to run the race that day, him and his guy. You know, you have, you have preliminaries, you can get your horses in. Well, the horse that was supposed to run got sick. I don't know if he had COVID or not, but he got sick and he couldn't run. He couldn't run the race. So they shoved him into the stall with his, with his, um, with his rider literally minutes before the race. Could you imagine? You're not even on people's radar. Nobody is going to gamble against you. Nobody is going to cheer for you. Nobody is there for you. He puts him into this whole thing, and I think it's crazy because he he, he wasn't favored. He wasn't even supposed to be in the race, and um, he goes and wins the race. So I started doing a little bit of studying on horses because I'm I'm that guy, you know uh i would like to know a lot about everything and i just didn't know anything about horses really so i was like you know why do they have these blinders and i, and I kind of knew like seeing them like it but i wanted to go like further into this and so they had these blinders um for horses so they don't get distracted and because if they see the people or they see other things and they don't just see what they're focused on um, which is right in front of them then they'll get distracted and they won't run as hard or they won't or they won't, they won't go to the right place. You see these on um, uh, carriage rides. You know, you see these in horses and mules walking, you know, you know doing stuff like that. And, and what's crazy is, is, is these, these horses have to focus on the prize in order to win it. And here's what I've learned. In order to run our race, your race, effectively, you've got to eliminate distractions. When's the last time you've, you went to the gym? For me, never. But when's the last time you went to the gym and got on the treadmill and tried to watch the guy beside you run the entire time? He's running his race. He's running his thing, his workout. If you were to do that, you would trip and fall. Don't do it in life. You are unique to yourself. You are unique to yourself as a young person, as an old. You don't watch somebody else's race in hopes that I wish I had his life. He has it better than me. She has it better than me. I, I wish I could have that much money. I wish I could have those kids. I wish I, my kids didn't act like that. I wish. And what we do is we, we spend our life worrying about other people's race when God has called you to your race. Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians. And this is where I'm closing. I'm landing this plane right here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 19, he says, he says this. I love how Paul says this. He says, you've all been to a stadium and seen the athletes race, right? Everyone runs. Let's put it in our context. We've all been to a football game, a baseball game. Everybody plays the game, and they play the game to win. He goes on to say, one wins the race, the the running race. He says, they run to win, and all good athletes train hard. So it's not like, you know, teams don't go out. You know, when Tennessee plays Alabama, they don't both go out and say, you know what? I want to lose today. I want to be the loser of this game. Guys, go ahead and call it. We're going to lose. No, they both practice to win the race, to win the game. Right? And he said, Paul goes on to say, here's the deal, though. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you, you on the other hand, you're after one that's gold eternally. He says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything that I've got. No lazy living for me. He says, I'm staying alert and on top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. What a scripture. Paul's saying, run your race for your prize. If you run somebody else's race, you don't get your prize. You're hoping for what they have. And God's called you to run your race. So run to win. Please run to win. Some of um, life's greatest opportunities aren't always obvious. And some of God's greatest invitations show up in the form of interruptions. So, are you being interrupted today? Do you feel like giving up in some parts of your life? Will you stand with me? We'll, we'll go ahead and close service out. And can we, can we, um, we turn the top lights down I just kind of want to get intimate here for just a moment you know just like the paralyzed man nothing will stop me from experiencing Jesus that's how I feel inside nothing is going to stop me are there circumstances that feel like it's going to stop me absolutely sometimes I'm paralyzed in my own anxiety feeling like i can't move forward. I'm paralyzed. But God says if i cast all my cares, all my pain, all my weariness, he's got me. But it only he's only got me if i cast it on him. If we're in relationship and we're communicating. So are you are you paralyzed today in your own walk? In your own faith? Are you in a space where you feel like you can't get out of it? Do you have friends around you that can help carry the weight? These are huge. This is a story that just breathes life into me because I want to be the man that gets healed. I want to live persistence life. I want to have friends that will go the distance with me, which means I got to be a friend that go the distance with somebody else. I want to see other people healed. I want to see because of their persistence, you've been running this race so long. I mean, I'm cheering you on. You're doing such a great job. You're a pillar in faith. And I'm going to see a miracle happen in your life because of your persistence. I feel like some of us in this room are like this. Would you just take a moment and just kind of close your eyes and just however you, you know, get these distractions away from you, just... Sometimes, that's the only reason why I close our eyes, is just so we can be distraction-free. Whatever that looks like for you. For some of you, when I talked about the amazing grace of Jesus and thought that you could bring your brokenness confidently to Him, you really never thought about it like that. Which makes me think, in Scripture, the Bible says that you can bring your sins... Boldly to the throne room of God and he meets you there with grace. That's scriptural. So which means we don't have to feel like I'm always messed up, God. I I can't, I just don't want to see you. I feel like you're mad at me. I feel like, no, he says, he says, bring it to me boldly. So share everything and I'm going to meet you here with grace because you did so. Some of you never realized like that. You always thought that you had to do something to make God happy with you, never realizing that his grace is available for you in that way, never realizing that the Father has this extravagant love for you, like the paralyzed man that they lowered down, like he had this extravagant love. He saw these people's faith, and, and because of that, the man was healed. And some of you need a new beginning. You need a fresh start. You need to know today that your sins are forgiven, that you have peace with God. And I I believe that there are some of you in here that you don't have the confidence. You don't have the peace. You don't know it for sure. And the Lord's like, I've got you. So in just a moment, we're going to pray together as a church. And I, I want to give you an opportunity to have that peace and confidence to know that your sins are forgiven. But if you're in this room or you're watching this online later on and you say, I need to learn how to be a better friend. I need some persistence in my life. I need to know that there is true peace in the process. With all eyes closed, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? Come on, hands going up. Hands going up. This is is not for me at all. This is for you. So if you're having struggles in your own life and you need those things, all you need to do is just to have this connection with the Father right now. That's awesome. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, if you say, God, I'm putting you at the center of my life and you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, And you'll be saved. That's what the scripture says. Today I want to give everybody the opportunity to have a fresh start in life. And I want you to know that I'm praying. I'm praying with. And so I'm going to count in just a moment. There's no rhyme or reason for me counting other than just a point of contact. I want to ask you to shoot up your hand high enough long for me to see it. No one's going to come to you. We wouldn't dare do that. Point you out. We wouldn't embarrass you for the world. But if that's you today, on the count of three, would you just shoot up your hand? One, two, three. I need Jesus for the first time in my life. Come on, awesome. We're filled. Can we just speak this together? Um, Can you repeat this after me? Jesus, come on, Jesus. I need you in my life. God, forgive me of all my sins. I believe you did die on that cross for me. As I look for healing, I'll find you. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. God, thank you for this life. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say Amen. Amen.